Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, would you look who came back to work, Jimmy. Jimmy, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up to bring you a big Monday episode of Top Shelf Radio in a bottom-feeding political world. There's a little bit of a Thanksgiving holiday, I'm sure you heard, but while we took time off to eat and drink ourselves senseless, uh, the people running this country into the ground seem to step on the accelerator. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Hell of a food fight to clean up as we get back underway today. 888-788-9910. If you want a piece of the action, uh, a show that functions as an audio safe space for cool people, we say it every day. Uh, it's not like a political talk show. Uh, it's an American talk show. Freedom! Bottom line, you can agree, you can disagree. We don't actually care. I'm not an activist. I'm a lazy talk show host who may or may not have sobered up from the Thanksgiving parties by now. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Well, it was a great way to go through the weekend. But as we get back in action uh, here on a Monday, you know the rule. You could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat, you could be a Libertarian, you could be an Independent. Just don't be a... There it is. Happy Monday. I hope everybody had the best Thanksgiving allowable by law. Uh, we were not only uh, giving thanks in the Fela House, where we are filled with an unimaginable level of gratitude for our good fortune, uh, but we were also honoring the Link Man. Lincoln Fela turned 15 uh, over the weekend on Saturday. <laughs> and of course, when we were done celebrating Lincoln, uh, we sat down in front of the TV to watch Jenny's Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, not ideal, uh, not, not, not an ideal outcome, but on the whole, uh, it was a, a winning weekend uh, for the failures any way you slice it. So thank you to all of you who sent nice wishes to the Link Man after seeing his birthday tribute on the 5 on Friday. Uh, everyone who messaged us directly, uh, if we did not get back to your message yet, we were about to because it's the one thing we're pretty good at. Uh, no matter what the schedule throws at us, comedy, TV, radio, or anything in between, if you send us a message, we'll actually get back to you. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So there you have it. Happy Monday. And uh, man, oh boy, oh man. You know, when you get back on the air after a four-day break, you're like, ah, first day back, things will be a little easy. Wrong. Everything's still a mess. Uh, on a good note, the Qatari government has just announced the extension of a ceasefire for two more days which would seemingly ostensibly mean that more hostages are being freed. That uh, is something we always welcome. Uh, there's a little bit of a conflation when it comes to these hostage exchanges because what Israel is getting back is innocent civilians who were taken hostage, uh, who were not part of military operations, who engaged in no wrongdoing themselves. Like we're seeing these powerful videos of children being reunited with families. But sadly, a lot of these children don't have parents to come back to because Hamas killed them. Okay, so this is not a swap between, like, Israeli hostages and Palestinian hostages. The Israelis don't have hostages, per se. They don't have innocent civilians. They just swooped over the wall and took into custody. What they're releasing are militants, are fighters, are terrorists, are people who have been previously imprisoned for killing people or trying to. So, yes, we are happy uh, and we welcome this exchange in the sense that it is freeing 
people who have been held hostage for more than 60 days by Hamas. But there's an oversimplification that I'm not crazy about uh, in this moment, if only because people are trying to establish a moral equivalency between Hamas and Israel, when in truth, there is no moral equivalency between Hamas and anything. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, over the weekend, what did we say? We saw people sitting on the Manhattan Bridge, stopping traffic. Guys, if you're stopping traffic to protest what's going on in Gaza, you're not an activist, you're an a-hole. Bingo. Straight up, okay? Because you're not winning anyone over to your cause. They hate you for doing that. You don't have the right... Okay, to deny somebody safe passage, people who might be in a medical emergency, people who might be late for an important interview, people who just might be, you know, going about their life like you do in this country. Okay, who were denied the right to do so because a bunch of jackasses glued themselves to the streets. Here's a newsflash. If you want to get stuck to the streets in New York City, you don't really need glue because there's enough substances on those streets to begin with that you're not going anywhere once you sit down. Gross. Uh, But that's what's going on. That's where we find ourselves uh, in the middle of this never ending exercise in drawing an equivalency between what went on uh, in Gaza on behalf of Hamas and what went on on behalf of Israel. Okay, and sadly, Joe Biden, to his credit, has come out and, you know, expressed unequivocal support for Israel. He said it on, you know, multiple occasions. I don't remember that ever happening, but it did. But he's under such immense pressure right now because there's a great percentage of his party that supports Hamas, that does believe that there is some type of an equal ground between Israel and Hamas when it comes to their treatment of civilians and women and children. Okay, Israel didn't paraglide into a rave and kill everybody on October the 7th. Okay, while they were both observing a ceasefire. Israel didn't put babies in ovens, which is horrific every time it comes out of my mouth. It gets a little crazier to say. Okay, it's not using rape as a war tool. Okay, Hamas is. They com- they commit human rights atrocities that are well beyond anything we ever saw ISIS do. Think about that. Okay, really disgusting things we're seeing in terms of the cavalier disregard for human life out of Hamas. But because there's such a large percentage of the Democratic Party that does support them, that does see the world through the lens of identity politics of oppressor and oppressed, You've got people putting immense pressure on Biden to start taking the word of Hamas when it comes to civilian casualties. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But still stupider, if such a word existed, is the fact that as we get on the air today, we're being told Joe Biden has apologized for not trusting Gaza's health ministry. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Dumbest thing allowable by law. Okay. Hamas's health ministry, do you understand if you're following this? It's a terror group. They're called Hamas. They are a terror group. Any stat they give you cannot be trusted. That's true. That is true. Okay. They are intentionally inflating civilian casualties, and I'm not telling you there aren't any. But civilian casualties are their greatest form of currency. Hamas paraglides into Israel, kills everybody in sight. Then when Israel fires back at Hamas military installations that are, if you've been following these hospital sagas or these tunnel sagas, that are usually in densely populated areas where they are assured there will be civilian casualties. So Hamas can be like, look, Israel's killing civilians. They're the devil. And every dumb idiot on the left 
goes, exactly, yeah, Israel's bad, we gotta get them. And that's why you have all of these members of elite academia just debasing themselves and getting out there and throwing their support behind Hamas, people that Hamas would not tolerate, okay, in terms of their own right to exist. If you are gay, everyone knows this. If you're gay and you support Hamas, that's like being a chicken who supports KFC. You're welcome to cheer them on, but at the end of the day, when they're putting together those value buckets, guess who's going to wind up inside of them? You. Okay, no, but I, I, I supported you. I don't know. They don't care, okay? If you're LGBTQ, if you're a woman, they don't support your right to exist as an equal. But when you see things through the prism of identity politics, it somehow makes sense in your brain, in your self-righteous brain that runs that runs on self-righteousness, that runs on moral superiority. Hey, we know better than these people supporting Israel. Am I right, you guys? They're oppressors. They stole that land. Never mind that they were there 3,000 years before everyone else showed up. They stole it, I say. And that's, that's how they parade on. That's how they justify barricading themselves onto the bridge. That's how they justify pressuring Biden into an apology. So here it is. Okay, according to a new report that is out today, this is crazy, okay, that this is a thing. Okay, the, <laughs> the president apologized to a group of Muslims last month for not trusting Gaza's health ministry. So he's basically saying, hey, I know I said they can't be trusted. I know that our own intelligence and the world's intelligence said that it was their own rocket that exploded over a hospital. But, 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 I still want to say I'm sorry for calling them out on what happens to be the truth. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. Okay, listen to me. I, this goes for any politician who listens to the show. We have a lot of politicians on this show. Okay, and if you hear them on this show, people that are lawmakers, understand that I've met them off camera, I've met them off stage, and they have convinced me that they mean what they're saying. Are you stupid or something? No, I'm not stupid. There's a lot of lawmakers you've heard on this show once. A lot of lawmakers you've heard on this show once. But if you've heard them on this show multiple times, it's because I know I'm not dealing with a character actor. I'm dealing with someone who genuinely cares about the direction the country is going in. That being said, if you're a lawmaker who listens to this show because you want to get on it, or you know some of the people who appear regularly, all great, and I'm flattered by the attention, but you need to know this, okay? You don't owe stupid people any deference or consideration whatsoever. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, when you look within your party and go, oh, you know, we're going to lose 3, 3% if we don't, you know, placate the idiots, okay? You have an obligation to the country. You have an obligation to the people who elected you to office, sent you to Washington, to look out for a greater good, okay? And there is no greater good associated with what a terror group called Hamas is doing to women and children. I understand you want their support. There's an election coming. You want to be in charge of the country, but there's not going to be a country to be in charge of if the anti-Semites on the left that want to wipe Israel off the map have a voice in your party. That is correct. Okay, so Biden apparently, okay, said the following words. This is according to the Washington Post. The Washington Post, which is not exactly Mar-a-Lago monthly, now saying Biden in meeting with Muslim leaders said, I'm sorry, I'm disappointed in myself. I will do better in regard to trusting their health numbers. Biden is such a disaster. 
okay? And why is that so disastrous? Because you understand, okay, it's again and again and again demonstrating on the world stage that as a leader, okay, the politics are more important than the people, meaning Joe Biden knows internally in his senient moments, if it's before 5 p.m., Okay, Joe Biden knows Hamas bad, Israel good, because everyone knows that with half a brain. Okay, but when Joe Biden goes behind closed doors and says, I'm sorry, you know, we'll be better towards Hamas in the future, we'll take their statistics into consideration, he knows they can't be trusted. Okay, he knows that before 5 p.m., before the sun goes down. But he also knows that his political fate relies very heavily on the hate has no home here crowd that, of course, is filled with hate. You know, the coexist people who want no part of a two state solution. They want to wipe Israel off the map, but they all drive around with coexist bumper stickers on their Subarus. Democrats are so full of crap. Are they ever? But you can't demonstrate that kind of weakness. okay? if you want to lead us out of the pocket we now find ourselves in, okay? because the world right now. There's only one universal language in the world, okay, and the, that is the language of strength. Okay, I'm not a war hawk, but the way you avoid war, it's called peace through strength. When people see you up there expressing unequivocal support for the people on the right side of a conflict and the United States throws their weight behind them and the United States encourages Israel's right to self-defense and the United States says, Shut up. Yes, you have a right to free free expression and protest here in this country, and we're not denying you that right. But if you think I should concern the direction of this country with the political costs to me, shut up. It's bigger than one person. It's about the country. That's the whole rule of this show. Okay, it's a lot of news cycles where we could get on the air and just bash Democrats for three hours. But we're not actually here to make you vote Republican. We're just trying to have an honest talk show where we can call balls and strikes. And I'm telling you right now, if I'm sitting behind home plate with the umpire's mask on and Biden just apologized to the Muslims for not trusting Hamas. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And by just a foot outside, I mean he threw it over the backstop and right inside the broadcast booth. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply 
folks, we're here on a Monday. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. You know how they say trigger warning? I've got to play you a clip from Joe Scarborough. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 So we're sitting here with 70% of the country thinking we're headed in the wrong direction. Okay, as we just announced a two-day extension in the ceasefire between Hamas and Israel, uh, John Kirby flat-out admitting at the Pentagon Okay, that this ceasefire very well could be a gift to Hamas, meaning they use this stuff to reload and replenish and fortify for future terror attacks. Well, anyway, Biden, of course, having a really rough time of it in the polls right now, his age being a huge source of consideration for a lot of voters. Here's Joe Scarborough just utterly humiliating himself. Like, I can't imagine why you'd get on TV and say this to a camera unless your dominatrix canceled on you at the last second and you just needed to go somewhere else for degradation. Degradation, Yo, Joe Scarborough and anyone else listening. OK, I'm a former New York City cab driver. I know where to find stuff. Next time, reach out to me before you get on TV and humiliate yourself like this. It's clip 13. Said it before. I'll say it again. We've got a guy in there who's more equipped to do this and is more successful at doing this than any president since Bush 41. And there's a reason. Both of those guys, both of those men, both of those presidents got into office with decades of experience in diplomacy, and it makes a difference. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Okay, it makes, yeah, he's not wrong when he says Joe Biden makes a difference. Okay, but does his wisdom and experience make a difference for the better? The answer would be no. We're only in this conflict because Biden, okay, understand, enriched Iran which sponsors all the proxy attacks on our allies in the Middle East. When Biden took office, his wit and wisdom, okay, took our domestic energy production from a net exporter of oil into an importer and in the process enriched Iran and Russia. Iran had $4 billion in oil reserves when Biden took office. They have $70 billion now, which means they have the bankroll to fund proxy attacks. We've seen 62 such attacks on our military installations in the Middle East. Never mind that it was Biden's wit and wisdom that got him to take the troops out of Afghanistan before the civilians out of Afghanistan, at which point we left... $85 billion of our own weapons in the hands of a terror group that we went into that country to stop. That can't be good. Not only was it not good, but it emboldened Putin to invade Ukraine, and China has now encircled Taiwan. So when you understand that, yeah, Joe Biden has lots of wisdom, so yeah, and experience at foreign policy, of course he does. And you know who has a lot of marriage experience? OJ. He was married for almost 20 years. Did that end good? The answer would be no. So when you see Joe Scarborough getting on TV and going, no, you don't understand. Biden's been around the block a couple of times. He's not lying to you about that. The problem is Biden's been around the block a couple of times, but he can't find his way back. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I don't think Joe Scarborough can, but we'll get into more of it. And we got a little Trump talk on the 2024 campaign trail. Things are heating up. Don't go anywhere, Snookums. We're back after this. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. 
Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And this is your chance to belong to a luxury hunting club. You know those high-end clubs where if they're bringing in like a foreign head of state and they take them hunting, they want the guy to feel good while they're engaging in diplomacy and working out some trade deal that has billions of dollars hanging in the balance. So they take him to one of those luxury hunting clubs where there's so many deer in a square mile that it's impossible to fire a gun and not kill like three of them. And then the world leader walks away like, I'm a really good hunter. His ego's all dropped up. He all trumped up, all feeling good about himself. Wow, look at me. And then while he's feeling good and he's posing with all the kills and he's getting all the attaboys, they negotiate some type of trillion-dollar trade deal and relieve him of his wallet. That's just how white folks will do you. But that is how, like, a lot of these luxury fishing and hunting treats take place on a high level. If you've ever heard the famous stories about H.W. Bush uh, boating around the Russian president at the time, you know, crazy stuff. Okay, but understand, okay, right now, We don't actually have the ability to take you out to the woods or take you to one of those lakes that's so overstocked with fish. They're actually, like, hooking them, baiting themselves, killing themselves just to get away from the overcrowding. But we are going to go on a stupid hunt for the remainder of this hour, and it is impossible to look in any direction and not find a whole lot of stupid. Okay? 2024, the race for the White House It really heats up this month. This is the last month before the primaries and the caucuses begin. Okay, Iowa being the first in the Republican side of town. Of course, the Democrats have gone away from Iowa and they've put everything down in South Carolina because it's the first state on the map that Biden can actually win. If you remember the last time around, Biden got his ass handed to him in Iowa. Okay, he then got blown out in New Hampshire before losing in Nevada, ultimately went down to South Carolina, where James Clyburn got him the overwhelming support of the black community. Uh, Do the black community have anything to show for voting Biden? The answer would be no. No, uh, but they still expect him to win South Carolina. And in an effort to get his campaign off and running on a good foot, they want him to win the first vote taken. Ergo, they have taken their primary process and they've reconfigured it so Biden can vote. They can win in South Carolina before anything else happens. And you start to hear the rumors like, well, he lost Iowa. Now he lost New Hampshire. Maybe voters are ready for somebody else. It's show business is what they're doing. They're orchestrating the public perception that Biden has the support for another four years. That is a fact check false. Seventy six percent of Americans think the country's running in the wrong direction. Okay, over 70 percent of Americans don't think he is mentally fit to be in office. So there's nobody out there that wants a sequel to Biden, just so we're clear. Like there's a reason when they were sitting in the lifeboats after the Titanic sank, there's a reason nobody was handing them brochures to go on another cruise. They knew the market wasn't there at the time. (laughs) Hey, but what about those dinners Monday through Wednesday? They were pretty good, right? I mean, did you hear the band? That was a good band. You're like, anyway, uh, can you pass me an oar? I'm freezing. Okay, but that being said, politics, although it may resemble the Titanic in terms of the direction our country has gone in since Biden was sworn in, Okay, they do have to get out there on the lifeboats and try to sell people another cruise. And that's exactly what they're trying to do right now with Joe Biden. Now, the case for Biden is always he's not Trump. There's nobody that can point 
at the quality of life in this country and go, look, it's better than it was four years ago, because that's not just not the case. Inflation's worse. The economy's worse. The border's worse. Foreign policy is exponentially worse. Everything is worse under Biden. Okay, I don't hate him. I don't want you to hate him. I'm not trying to sell you anger towards the opposing political party. I'm just trying to tell you as the leader of the free world goes, we go. And in this case, we have a leader of the free world who's just a disaster. Okay, doesn't mean I hate him again. I mean, is this son's got some problems? Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, but being a dirtbag might have paid well, even for the old man. Are you the big man, Joe? A lot of their business partners say he is. But that being said, okay, the stupid hunt we're going on for the remainder of this hour revolves around people trying to make the case for Joe Biden by reminding you of how bad it would be if Trump was in charge. The problem is Trump was already in charge once and things were a hell of a whole lot better. You're absolutely right. Now, I'm not here telling you you got to vote Trump. That's not my job. But when you listen to the points they're trying to make to slander Trump, to socially pressure people away from Trump, and that's how they got by in 2020. Hey, we're systemically racist. The country's so freaking racist, you guys. The government's been racist since its first day. So we got to get rid of this guy who's been here for four years, and we got to replace him with this guy who's been a part of that racist government for 50 years. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or... Trump, and you ain't black. Think about that. Nobody fought harder against integrated school busings than Joe Biden. Think about that. Kamala Harris famously attacked him for it on the debate stage, told her story about the little girl who was riding to school on an integrated school bus for the first time in her life after Joe Biden fought against integrated school buses, didn't want them to exist. No, I don't want my kids going to school with black kids. Those were Joe Biden's words. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Think about that. Joe Biden eulogized a member of the Ku Klux Klan, Robert Byrd. Look it up right now. He did it. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black? Joe Biden wrote the 94 crime bill. It was called the Biden Crime Bill. Okay? The very people incarcerated under that bill because of the overzealous sentencing guidelines as it pertained to drugs were freed. Under the First Step Prison Reform Act that was written with Tim Scott and Donald Trump, people who were serving life sentences for nonviolent drug offenses, okay, life sentences they were given because of Joe Biden's law. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? So it's an old screenwriting trick when it comes to getting people to support the Democrat. If the policy has been really bad to the community— The only answer is to make the villain worse, make the villain bigger, and it makes your hero, by comparison, seem like a more virtuous and better hero. And that's what they're doing on the Democratic side of town. They're at this impossible place where nobody wants Biden to run again. Behind the scenes, they're screaming, like literally to the point that they're punching each other in the face. They don't want this guy running again. 76% of the country thinks we're going in the wrong direction. They don't want him running. Okay, but we are engaged in a major conflict in the Middle East. It's very hard to just yank a guy off a ticket, especially when they have nobody waiting in the wings. The vice president is Kamala Harris, guys. And Kamala Harris ran for president once as a Democrat, and the Democrats left her at 1% in the polls when she dropped out. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Straight up, just the least authentic human being you've ever met. So they can't bump Biden off the ticket for Kamala because in the age of identity politics, Kamala would have to be the next nominee by law.
What they're trying to do is thread a needle where Biden is forced off the ticket a little bit later in the game. They replace him with Gavin Newsom, who, oh, by the way, happens to be debating Ron DeSantis on Sean Hannity's show this Thursday uh, right here on the Fox News channel if you want to watch it. Okay, because Newsom is out there running a shadow campaign. He wants to be the nominee if, in fact, Biden comes off the ticket. But as things are presently constituted, okay, Biden is on that ticket. And a lot of liberal media elites need to start the process of selling people on the idea that he's the right guy for the job. So they're making that case by saying, well, everything may suck. But it'd be so much worse if Trump was there. Am I right, you guys? That's what they're doing. Here's Eric Swalwell, okay, talking to Jen Psaki yesterday on MSNBC. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Whatever. Lincoln's a little chippy. He's 15 now. But here is Swalwell explaining that the Middle East would be worse if Trump was in power. Clip nine. I also like to step back uh, when I see some of the heat President Biden is taking and think, what would the alternative be? If Donald Trump was reelected or if Donald Trump was president at this time, can you imagine what the scenario would be in the Middle East? It would probably be the United States and Israel in a World War III-like scenario with Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And why do we know that? Because Donald Trump was already in charge, and they had peace in the Middle East. Oh, wow! You see, when you're dealing with the people who run on self-righteousness, their emotions are their facts. So Eric Swalwell can get on MSNBC, and he can flat out say, oh, it's a good thing it's not Trump, am I right, you guys? And everybody's like, yeah, it'd be so much worse if it was Trump. And then you go, but wait, it was Trump, remember? And we didn't have any of this. I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is they're crazy, okay? These people hate themselves. They're self-hating white people. Everybody who watches MSNBC is a white person who lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan who hates themselves, okay? And there's a good percentage of them that live around the Beltway in D.C., and they live out in California on the coast. What do they all have in common? They hate themselves. Correct the mundo. That's their whole audience. It's white elites who tune in to be told that they know better than you dummies in the flyover states, who tune in to be told that they're not a racist like you dummies in the flyover states. And when that's over, they go out and chant from the river to the sea, we got to wipe Israel off the map, you know, like a racist would. Or they go out and say we've got to defund the police, which, by the way, disproportionately crushes black communities who bear the brunt of the soaring crime rates that now exist because people in liberal media were on board with cheering that it was okay to defund the police. Okay, but getting past that for a second, when Eric Swalwell gets in front of a TV camera and says, oh, could you, I know Biden's taking a lot of heat, but could you imagine if it was Trump? Yes, I could. And in that regard, we should all wish to God it was Trump because this wasn't going on. Trump wasn't enriching Iran. He was boxing them out. He pulled us out of the Iranian nuclear deal. He normalized relations between Israel and Arabic nations with the Abraham Accords, which sent a message to the rest of the Middle East that we weren't going to tolerate these proxy attacks. We weren't going to tolerate attacks on innocent civilians. Okay, Trump taking the money away from Iran. Trump ramping up our domestic energy production, which made us a net exporter of oil by the end of his term, meant Putin didn't make all the extra cash he had to burn in Ukraine. It meant Iran didn't make all the extra cash. You understand they've made $65 billion extra billion in oil reserves under Biden that didn't exist under Trump. 
Okay, so the Middle East didn't have this. We could imagine if Trump was president, and he was. And Russia wasn't in Ukraine. China China hadn't encircled Taiwan. Afghanistan wasn't sitting on $85 billion of our weapons. And, oh, by the way, we weren't in the middle of what really does look like the verge of World War III in the Middle East because people on the world stage respect strength, okay, peace through strength. What Biden has brought us is chaos through teleprompter. But the people on the left who need you to vote Biden, okay, who can't really make a case for it other than, well, Trump is so bad. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, I'm not telling you everything Trump said was good, but I'm telling you comparative to what we have. My God. Okay, here's Joe Scarborough. Again, a person whose emotions are his facts, trying to tell you all the reason you can't vote Trump is Trump says make America great again. He's out there saying he'll make it great again. How dare he think America was only great when he's president? Okay, first of all, make America great again means you do believe it has been good before, okay, but we've kind of lost our way. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. And let's be clear, Donald Trump is not the first politician to say make America great again. I believe that together we can make America great again. That was Bill Clinton, okay, Ronald Reagan famously used the line a lot as well. But anyway, here is Joe Scarborough, who wants you to believe he's a conservative, making the latest case for Biden, which is, well, how dare Trump only think America's good when he was in charge? Clip 11. Let's just say that. Talk about how sick to say that America is a rotten nation before you're president of the United States. American carnage. And then you become president of the United States. And America has four of the most tumultuous years later. And the second he leaves and is defeated by the American people, he goes back to saying that America sucks again. Like, Mm. how grotesque... The common denominator. How grotesque that Donald Trump only thinks America's great when Donald Trump's president. I mean... Oh, shut up, woman. I mean, really hard to listen to. But do you understand, if we were going to talk about this on a factual level... Okay, America was greater when Trump was president. We didn't have 8 million people crossing the border illegally. He had cut border crossings by 80%. Inflation hadn't hit a 40-year high. The record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths affecting the youth of America didn't exist under Trump on the level it exists now. And no, we're not on the precipice of World War III. And no, We didn't flee Afghanistan with our tail between our legs, leaving them $85 billion worth of our own weapons. Do you understand Biden, any way you slice it, is the worst president we've ever seen in our lives? You can tell me, well, but he did the climate change stuff. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The biggest climate change bill in the history of our government was called the Inflation Reduction Act. What a fraud. And why did they call it the Inflation Reduction Act? Because they didn't have the votes for a climate bill. You are correct, sir. It's not the priority of regular Americans that it is of the Washington elites that are getting paid hand over fist to push climate change. Money, 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 money. Biden can't make a case for improving the country in any way. But to Joe Scarborough's larger point, what kind of guy runs for president by saying it's bad under the current guy? Um, all of them. Bingo, man, bingo. Have you ever met a guy who ran for president and was like, hey, it's great right now. But give me a shot anyway. Okay, they're number one always going to focus on the weaknesses. 
Okay, but the challenge right now for a guy like Trump or anybody running against Biden, even if it's Dean Phillips as a Democrat, even if it's RFK as an independent, even if it's Marianne Williamson as a moon bass. Okay, is there are so many areas of weakness under Biden that I don't know what to focus on if I was running your campaign other than are you better off now than you were four years ago? The answer would be no. But as it pertains to talking about what Joe Scarborough said, which is uh, it's, it's so grotesque to run for president of the United States and say it's a rotten nation. Joe Biden ran for president by saying it was a battle for the soul of our nation. A battle for the soul. Like we're literally as a country, okay, subjected to eternal damnation if I don't win. The soul of America is hanging in the balance. Did Joe Scarborough call him out for saying that? The answer would be no. Never mind that it was all based on the lie that Joe Scarborough himself spread that Trump didn't condemn neo-Nazis and white nationalists in Charlottesville. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Oh, you don't say! Okay, Joe Scarborough, I mean, seriously. You're an idiot! But that's the problem. We're catering to a subset of people whose emotions are their facts. Okay, but a lot of times when you talk from emotion, you leave people who are talking from a sense of reason thinking, This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Somebody in this building is getting ready to interview Kevin McCarthy, former House Speaker. Just walked by my studio a second ago, saw him through the windows. It's funny, like when you do radio here at Fox, you're kind of like swimming in a fishbowl. You're surrounded by mirrors and uh, mirrors. <laughs> Thankfully, not mirrors. I couldn't look at myself all day. No way, man. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. You see everybody walking back and forth. We just saw McCarthy walk by with his entourage. So he's probably going to do a podcast or Lord knows what else. But the point is, I'm not going anywhere, girlfriend. we got a big hour coming up. Andy Biggs is stopping by from the great state of Arizona. And we're also going to have a grown-up talk with Tommy Laren, our on-again, off-again multimedia friendship. We kind of made peace down at the Patriot Awards in Nashville, but there's no promises this thing's going to stay on the road. So we'll get into it with Tommy Laren as well when we come back on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is. And here we go. Big hour coming up. On Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking with Arizona Representative Andy Biggs, who joins us from the Fighting Fifth Congressional District to discuss the race for the White House and the race to secure the border. I don't know if you heard, but they've let 8 million people cross the border illegally under Biden. You have no idea how to defend a nation. Uh, Andy Biggs claims that he does. So we'll hear his recipe. Uh, We will get into your calls, text, tweets, carrier pigeons, the whole barnyard jamboree. 888-788-9910. Back on the air after a holiday break. Uh, There's still no intellectual or ideological barrier for entry to the program. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. It could be a Republican, be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. All we ever, 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 ever ask is that you don't be a... 
There it is. I do hope you guys had a great holiday weekend. Uh, we had a fantastic time. We're going back out on the road. That was my last week home of 2023. I am on the road literally every weekend between now and New Year. So if you want to see me in action this Saturday night, we're in Carson City, Nevada. How about it? If you're listening on KKFT or KSVL out there in the Reno area, if you're listening on KSUE up in Susansville, okay, head out to the Carson Nugget next Saturday night. We are doing three shows at the Nugget. It is Saturday night, December the 2nd. You better be there. I'm missing a pajama party to go to this shindig Saturday night. What the hell did you just say? I'm not kidding. One of my neighbors, uh, Natasha, she's nuts. She's a great egg. Uh, but yeah, gal lives down the block from us, has a adult pajama party every uh, December, the first Saturday of December every year. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Oh, I think so. But she loves it. And it's become like a big hit with the parents in our community. Uh, that You got to go out to the pajama party and wear your pajamas, which I never do. I just show up in what I sleep in. I don't sleep in pajamas. Uh, you know, like a shorts and a T-shirt guy. I don't get like all dolled up. But the point is, every year I walk in and Natasha sees me not in pajamas and I get the look. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But this year I will not be getting the look at all. I'll be on the other side of the country slanging jokes in Reno where I don't doubt. I will also catch hell for what I'm wearing uh, because, you know, I'm always dressing like I won a Liberace estate sale somewhere. Uh, but I'll be there at the Nugget uh, next weekend, uh, December 9th. Texas Music City Smokehouse and Grill, right on Old Jacksonville Highway in Tyler, Texas. We are going to be there. Myself, the link man, stuntman Mike Fail is going to be in the house. Come out to Texas Music City Saturday, December the 9th. And then the 16th, we are in Palm Beach, Florida at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Saturday night, December the 16th, two shows. I'll be there. And then the following week, we will be out in Pennsylvania. Shout out to all the JAS listeners. Shout out to all the Connect FM listeners. We will be at the Steelers game Saturday, December the 23rd. No stand-up included in that one. But if you want to hang out with me and the link man and the family, uh, you are certainly welcome to attend. But right now, we got to do radio because that's actually my job, believe it or not. Yeah, you hear about all this other stuff, but at some point we've got to do a little radio. So here's the deal. Uh, more poll numbers come out on Biden over the Thanksgiving break. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. It's a bad spot. Um, they're trying to clean this up on TV. It's not working. You know, they've gone into the old, well, what can you tell me that this guy's done good for America? And they just go like, well, he's not Trump. You know, it's like when someone's setting you up on a blind date and they won't tell you whether or not the person's good looking. Hey, I got this gal. You're going to love her. Yeah, she pretty. Oh, she likes movies. You like movies. I, I, absolutely. What's she look like? Way into sports. You like sports. Of, of course. No, yeah, no, sports are good. I mean, she's going to go to the game. Maybe we'll take a picture. How's that picture going to come out? Well, you know, beer's great. You like beer? You, she likes beer? Okay, when you can't get a straight answer, they're telling you she's a dog. Okay, when it comes to presidential candidates, Biden's a dog. The country's a disaster right now. I don't wish him any ill will, okay? But no one can stand out there and make a case for Joe Biden other than you don't hate him as much as the other guy. I agree with that. So when you look at these polls, okay, they're only going to go one way when the question is about Biden, okay? And that way is down. And what we're looking at as we get underway right now is there was a piece published in Politico that's summing it up like a region's exam, like every poll is included in the in the piece. Uh, polls keep getting worse for Joe Biden. Trump's vote share in national polls is higher than at any time in the past year. 
And what they're telling you is, uh, you know, if you're looking back on everything we've covered, the New York Times, Siena College polls that we talked about early on, the NBC polls that finally showed Biden trailing for the first time. There was a Quinnipiac. There was a political morning console poll. They all looked bad for Biden. Come on, man. Okay, and there's been nothing done to reverse that trend. Why? Because Biden is finally doing one thing sort of correct, which is standing with Israel. But that's crushing him in his party because his party is full of anti-Semites. I think he's got a point. And the point is he's in a really no-win situation. Okay, here is Biden over the weekend. He's in Nantucket. And uh, he's talking about a four-year-old girl that returns home to her family. Uh, and says he wish he was there to hold her, which I got to be honest, nobody wants to hear. I get what he's going for. But it's also one of those that just doesn't read well. Here it is, clip three. To make sure Israel and Palestinians alike live in equal measure of freedom and dignity, we'll not give up on working toward that goal. So thank you very much. But thank God she's home. The little, I just can't imagine the enjoyment. And the, I, I just I wish I were there to hold her. Oh, I wish I was there to hold her. This is not okay. <laughs> it's just knowing his history for, like, grabbing kids and sniffing kids, when Biden says, I wish I was there to hold the kid. Back up, you creep. It's hard to get excited. But bigger than that is we keep reporting this exchange, okay? But understand only one side took hostages. Hamas took hostages. Israel is releasing, like, actual criminals, actual terrorists who committed acts of terror. They're giving them back to Hamas. And in doing so, we cheer the return of these people to their families. But did Biden set a precondition that Americans had to be released first? The answer would be no. No. Uh, And along the way, in granting this ceasefire and this humanitarian pause, okay, here is Jake Sullivan flat out admitting that this will benefit Hamas. Clip five. If you look at the celebrations, we'll show it now uh, in the West Bank as the Palestinian prisoners were released. Some of the people celebrating were waving Hamas flags and chanting, the people want Hamas. Are you concerned that this deal has given a a huge propaganda victory, a reward for Hamas for what they've done? Well, I can't deny that that Hamas gain some benefits from this deal. One of them is the ability to refit and retool inside Gaza. Another is to try to use social media and other formats to generate some propaganda out of it. Uh, And these are difficult decisions that any Israeli prime minister has to make. But this Israeli prime minister made this decision because of the benefit that came with it, which is 50 innocent people coming out of Gaza to be reunited with their families. And only 50 innocent people, meaning the Israelis, are innocent. They were dancing at a rave when they were taken hostage. They're trading them off for Hamas terrorists. Now, I get it. Israel's willing to make that concession. I'm not here to bash them. I understand getting back life that you prioritize at a much higher level than your enemy is something that's very important. But when you hear them talking about, you know, Biden saying this four-year-old girl... You know, and she's finally back and reunited with her family. Her mother and father were killed by Hamas. A lot of these people that are getting out in these hostage exchanges lost their families in the process. They were taken hostage for 60 years. Their families were killed in front of them. So you understand this exchange that is a propaganda win for Hamas because people go, see, Hamas is releasing hostages. 
They're doing good stuff, you see. But you understand the hostages they're releasing have family members that they killed. And that's why Biden finds himself in such a no-win situation. He's trying to placate a wing of his party that thinks there's a moral equivalency between Hamas and anyone else, let alone Israel, in which there is no moral equivalency. But as his poll numbers continue to go down, okay, prior to this conflict, they're only accelerating now because now he's losing a significant chunk of the block that does most of the heavy lifting for Democrats, which is young voters, people whose emotions are their facts. They're crazy. Okay, the people that are out there clogging traffic, gluing themselves to bridges, okay, are all Democrats. There is not a single solitary Republican showing up to the Manhattan Bridge over the weekend, going to one of these marches in D.C., okay, showing up on some college campus around the country and saying, shut it all down. Because we support Hamas, because something about colonialism or something, I don't know, identity politics, whatever the thing is. That's what these people should be chanting. This is what we're doing now, because that's all these protests are. It's become a trendy thing to do. These people want to look cool on campuses, like defund the police, okay, was something that was trendy on campuses. So they got out there and they chanted defund the police. But what ultimately happened? Some cities, sadly, cut police budgets and in the process and crime rates soaring. Okay, it's no different on this side of the fence when they're chanting from the river to the sea. It's the same crowd that wanted to defund the police. They say they're doing so because they're not racist, because they're morally superior to you and me, but they're causing more harm, okay, to the people they purport to care about because it's not about the people they're protesting on behalf of. It's always about the protesters themselves. Bingo. Okay, when you go out and glue yourself to a bridge and crush rush hour traffic and now hundreds of thousands of people can't get anywhere, you're not winning anyone over to your cause. No one's going, well, you know, I didn't really have a dog in this fight. But then they made me late to a meeting. <laughs> and I got fined by my job. And I was like, you know what? I'm on their side now. You know, that's not happening. No one's sitting on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway in the back of an ambulance that's trying to get to the hospital goes, well, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to this Middle East conflict. But then a guy died in the back of the ambulance that could have made it to the hospital on time. And I was like, I'm with the people who caused the traffic jam that killed the guy in the ambulance. That's not going on. So you understand they're not doing this because it ultimately proves effective. They're doing this because they want the attention that comes from doing so. That's who these people are. They're not guided by morals or wisdom or judgment. It's like you think of the colleges in the summer of 2020. One of the dumbest things I could hurt my face, my fat spray tanned face. You try going on TV looking like me. (laughs) One of these things that crushed me was there was a kid who wrote an op-ed at George Washington University that was published in the Washington Post calling for the cancellation of Joe of George Washington. George Washington! Such an idiot! Think about that. A kid who enrolled at George Washington University wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post saying to cancel George Washington. You must have got manure for your brains. But that's who these people are. It's trendy to call for cancellations with no regard for the fact that, like, whoa, you wanted to cancel George Washington. You probably should have, I don't know, enrolled in a school with his name on it. You probably should have, I don't know, written in a newspaper with his name on it. You clearly didn't have a problem with the guy until it became trendy to have one. 
Okay, when people talk to you about the conditions between Gaza and Israel, okay, you understand everyone calling for a ceasefire should know there was a ceasefire going into October 7th, at which point Hamas violated it and killed 250 Israelis. Initially, the number wound up reaching multiple thousands of Israelis, innocent Israelis, who weren't engaged in any type of military conflict whatsoever. But this is the needle Biden's trying to thread. You're running for reelection in a country where nobody wants you to run again. And the only people who did were young, stupid Democrats who think the climate matters. Too dumb to realize that everybody coming around with a gloom and doom message about the climate is really speaking through subtitles. Please give us money. That's all they're ever telling you. Okay. well, we're going to melt. Please give us money. All right. We're not melting. Uh, We got we're freezing. It turns out we're going to freeze. Please give us money. Okay. well, we're not freezing and we're not melting. The climate is just changing. That's the name of it now. It's called climate change. Please give us money. And they all do pay up suckers. The problem now is the people who are paying up for climate change now pretty much want regime change in Washington because Biden isn't on the side of the terrorists. Because in their limited worldview, which is really intellectually lazy, you do a reverse Martin Luther King. The people who support Hamas support Hamas because they have the darker skin. Ergo, they say they must be oppressed. That's what they say. That is offensive, and it is not true. But that's what they say. Well, Israel, not a lighter skin oppressor or colonizer or stolen land or something like that. But all they're really saying is this is what we're doing now. Everybody protesting on behalf of Hamas has a hate has no home here sticker on the back of their car, has a coexist sticker on the back of their car. What do those people all have in common? Okay, they're not Republicans. They're woke left Democrats. Everything woke turns to including Biden's poll numbers. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There's a bit of a battle going on between Joe Biden and my mayor, Eric Adams, who was a sanctuary city until migrants started showing up. At which point he said, get him out of here. Get him out. Same thing they did up in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Harold's down in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's got a take. Harold. How you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Hope you, hope you and your family had a good Thanksgiving. We, we did good, Harold, uh, but uh, not as good as Adams. I mean, you know, he knows how to party, that guy. Well, if, if he, if partying was a, <laughs> I, let, let, me, let me put it like this. Partying, New York needs help. New, New York needs real leadership. It doesn't need somebody that likes to wear nice suits and parties. Yep. The bottom line was he, he went off script by running his mouth about the immigrant immigration problem because you notice every other Democrat is real quiet. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he had a DOJ problem. Now he's got a chick that said 30 years ago he raped her. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> there should be a sloppy. statute of limitations on that nonsense, but for some reason, yeah. you know, but, anything goes. 40, 50 years ago, you can bring it up and, 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 and people run with it. That's crazy. Bottom line is when Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California were being overrun, it wasn't a national problem. Mm-hmm. Now that you got these people showing up in, in numbers in New York City, all of a sudden the burden should be spread across the whole country. Yeah. Of Nobody course. will ask Eric Adams a simple question. Mm-hmm. Did you ha- did de Blasio have this problem when Trump was in office? 
<laughs> answer is no. Nope. They weren't coming across like water, yep. like they're coming across now. And if he, he can't, obviously, and I keep telling people, if you're going to be a politician, you should have a prerequisite. you got to pass a math class. <laughs> you can't take care of 160, 200,000 people, poof, out of the clear air. Money yeah. has to come from somewhere. Yep. And, and when did he figure out it was going to start costing money? He went after our health care. Uh-huh. $600 million he went after because uh-huh. retirees have the greatest health care yep. in the world. Uh-huh. He said he was, it would save the city $600 million by giving us Medicare Advantage. Uh-huh. But in the next breath, he says, I need $2 billion to take care of people who don't belong here. Yep. So how are you saving the city any money? It's a mess, man. And that's, that's part of the problem. But they didn't care when Texas was paying that bill. They cared when it came their way. So I appreciate you calling it out. Now, Adams may eventually run for president. I guess I'll put you down as a maybe. No, maybe. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, think, I, I, think, I, think he better, I think he better stick to New York State because people there are pretty – I wouldn't call people – I don't want to call people names, but they're not politically no. that stupid. No, no, they, you, they, you can't keep voting for this nonsense and expect a different result. Very, very well said, Harold. Take a bow. We'll do it again, buddy. Love talking to you. The great Harold, he is not a maybe on Eric Adams. He wants nothing to do with Eric Adams. He's almost as bad as the people at the top of the party. What a mess. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. You're really taking a risk when you book somebody the day after a holiday break. You don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in, but we used our judgment and decided this guy would still be somewhat presentable after a long holiday break. Let's hope we did not roll a snake eyes here. Joining us one way or the other to confirm the bet uh, from the Fighting Fifth Congressional District of the great state of Arizona, Representative Andy Biggs is on the show. Yo, Biggs, how are you? I'm fantastic, Jimmy. It's great to be with you. I've uh, spent the weekend running because I'm the biggest turkey in Arizona, so I was uh, running from danger, running from danger, my friend. No, you sound presentable. Okay, we were concerned. You can't. I'm telling you, Big, you should be honored that we like this morning. Okay, I got to tell you, I was booked on America's Newsroom. I was the first guest of the week on our most prestigious news program we have on the channel. And I really was sitting there like, wow, like, I don't know what I fooled people into thinking. But uh, there was a time I never would have been the first guest after a break. They would have assumed I showed up with a face tattoo. So I'm bestowing the same honor on you that was errantly bestowed upon me. Yeah, you mean you didn't have a face tattoo? Well, then what was that? <laughs> Listen, our hair and makeup team is second to none. They get hazard pay. When I'm on on a Monday morning, they get actual hazard pay. You got to see it. It's crazy. Uh, but, man, there is no dressing up these Biden poll numbers. Have you seen them? Wow. Yeah, they're pretty ugly. Um but I, I think, you know, of course, we're a year out, but I think that it's a reflection of even the Democrats turning against Biden. So the yeah. hard left turned against him because they say, oh, he's lost his hard leftness. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's starting to realize, hey, we're paying more for gas, food. Thanksgiving went up. Christmas is going to be hard. Uh, the economy's bad. This is all Joe Biden. And so. It's finally coming home to roost on Joe Biden. Yeah, that's the part of this that's really fascinating to me is, you know, when it comes to his support for Israel, he's on the right side of this argument, but it's actually hurting him in his party. 
you know, most people are mad at Biden for things you said, economic, okay, and things to do with conditions on the ground in this country. But oddly enough, he's losing big support because there's a significant chunk of his party that wants him to support Hamas. Isn't it a little crazy to you that that's actually a mindset? It really is. But, I mean, that's where the hard left has been drifting um, and in some places accelerating for, for a good number of years. Uh, for probably 15 years, but it really is manifested. This this Hamas thing has really shown how radicalized the hard left within the Democratic Party. By the way, and make no mistake, they control the Democrats, yep. and that's why Biden's getting whipped in the polling right now. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. We're talking to Arizona Representative Andy Biggs. Uh, over here in New York, and I know we've seen a little bit of this around the country, they're having these protests where they just stop traffic. Like on Saturday, they glued themselves to the road on the Manhattan Bridge. Now, Biggs, I know you don't spend a lot of time in New York, but if you want to get stuck to the road in New York City, there's enough substances on it that you don't need glue. You just sit yeah, down. Yeah. You ain't going anywhere, man. Uh, but if you were out there trying to win people over to your cause, it's so idiotic to me that they're inconveniencing people and, you know, blocking traffic, heaven forbid somebody has a medical emergency or somewhere to be. So it almost makes me believe that the people doing the protesting, it isn't about the cause. It's just about them. And I feel like that's so much of the Democratic Party now is everybody just wants to be an influencer. Everybody just wants to get clicks. Everybody wants to be relevant. Um, but is that what you're competing with in the idea battle in Washington now? Yeah, I mean, it is all notoriety. I mean, that's that's what it's become is is, you know, in a 24-7 news cycle when social media is watching everything and everything from TikTok to Instagram and all the, all the garbage that's available, um, it's the outrageous, the most outrageous that draws the attention. Mm-hmm. And so to have a cogent, logical debate in many instances is really hard to do. Um, I mean, look, we got, we got the, you know, some pretty odd ducks in Congress right now. I'm just telling you, I mean, people think I'm weird, but I mean, these people make me look rational. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's a true fight. And, and, and they're, I mean, they're, these are the people that don't be surprised to see people gluing themselves down to the carpet of the house floor someday. Yeah. Um, you, that's how, that's how odd it's become. You can't, you can't have a debate about, Hey, let's let's see. Are we spending too much money? Mm-hmm. Um, and is that maybe what's causing inflation um, yeah. or a significant portion of it? You can't you can't do that because they, they don't even want to talk that way anymore. Well, that's what's crazy is like basically any policy you advance is re- is is characterized as a form of hatred. It's like, oh, you, you want to secure the border? You must hate people. And that's obviously not the case. I mean, leaving the border open is causing a humanitarian crisis that does a lot more harm than securing the border would. But that's the limited worldview you're dealing with. If everything's characterized as hate, you can't have a rational discussion. So I don't know how you're doing it. But let me ask you, as it pertains to the border right now, okay, we have this debate coming up on Thursday. Gavin Newsom is so committed to not running for president that he's having a primetime <laughs> debate against Ron DeSantis just to show everybody how committed to not running for president he is. Okay, you've been in D.C. a minute. Have you ever seen something like this? Because to me, it looks like he's showing up Biden and kind of running without running. Yeah, I mean, well, it gets back to what we're talking about is, is notoriety, right? So mm-hmm. Biden, Biden's getting whipped in the polls. He's, and then you got to get notoriety. And then Gavin Newsom's notoriety right now is because California is a dumpster fire. It is the uh, cesspool. It is the uh, the porta pot of the country. Mm-hmm. And so Newsom's got to come on and try to convince these people that he is a guy that can lead the country 
to that same level of discontent and unsanitary uh, circumstances. And he'll do it. Yeah. But that's what it's all about. He's got to he's got to get some notoriety out there because there is no option. The bench is so thin in the Democrat Party to run for president that this is the yo-yo that they're having to put out there. And I think it's kind of a test balloon. I mean, yeah. is this going to go down like the Chinese spy plane or spy <laughs> balloon or what? We just don't know. Well, if it's the Chinese spy balloon, it's going to be up there a little while. So at least he'll get some <laughs> – He'll get some exposure out of it to fly over the East Coast, spend some time over our military installations. Talking to Arizona Representative Andy Biggs, everybody tells me that the big challenge in the Democratic Party is obviously they wish Biden would step aside, but they can't leapfrog Kamala um, because in the age of identity politics, they've predicated so much of their value on skin color that they'd be kind of abandoning principle. But if that's truly the case and they need a woman of color on the ticket, doesn't that open things up to Elizabeth Warren? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, she has identified herself as a woman of color. Thank you. Um, but that's really not that's really not. It's not going to pass muster. It's yeah, not gonna... no, that won't do it. I mean, look, uh, you, they they chose somebody over uh, the, the women of color in California. Newsom chose somebody else from Maryland to be yep. this U.S. senator in California. So, yeah. So when you start walking down the road where everything is identity politics, and let's face it, Kamala Harris is not up to the job. She's not up to the job to being the usherette at the you know at the lingerie parade. She's just not capable of doing it. <laughs> Can I just jump in, though? When is the lingerie parade? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say laundry parade. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm asking for a, a friend. His name is Mikey, my producer. Mikey yeah. will be there. Just, yeah, but I mean the point is Kamala is totally – Incompetent. Yeah. She, you know, you let's let's put her in charge of solving the border problem. And what are you going to have? You're going to have runaway record numbers on the border. Well, let's put her in charge of inflation. Oh, you're going to have runaway inflation. Like, yep. you know, like you haven't seen in decades. Yeah. She is incompetent, and there's not two synapses that are connecting in that brain of hers. Wow. And 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 that's just the way it is. And so, but they can't jump her because yeah. they have said. You know, it doesn't matter whether somebody's competent and get the job done, because believe me, there are women of color who could get the job. Yes. Done. Millions of them. That's yeah, the point. It's not, it's not Kamala Harris. Yeah, that's but that's the part that's so crazy about identity politics is like it's lazy. It's like, let's get someone from a certain demographic because we've never had one in this position, which, OK, if that's your motivation, I appreciate the transparency, but you shouldn't stop there. You should then go look at qualified applicants like the fact that we've gotten as far away from merit as we have. It's kind of horrifying. You know, we've never had a cab driver be president of the United States, but that doesn't mean you should elect me you know what i'm saying and i'm upfront about that but they're not they don't go a step further it's like think of pete booty judge i've told this story on my show a lot okay but when pete booty judge was the mayor of south bend indiana the roads were in such poor conditions that they named him pothole pete yet somehow because of identity politics we never had a gay transportation secretary they put a guy named pothole pete in charge of every road in the country doesn't that don't you feel like when you were going through the resumes on LinkedIn, we could have went a step further and found a gay man who wasn't nicknamed Pothole Pete to be in charge of every road in the country? Yeah, I, I mean, th- that's the point. It, it, it no longer is about uh, what can you do? What can't you do? Are you qualified or you're not qualified? Because because in this society, everybody gets a trophy. No, everybody ever. gets a trophy. And that means that Nobody can, you know, you can't put your nose across the line to get across the tape at the race mm-hmm. sooner because 
because then you would uh, be getting notoriety. You'd be outrageous. It'd be misconduct. It wouldn't be acceptable. Um, you know, so uh, unless unless you're some kind of transgender dude in a in a women's swim meet, then hey. then it's okay to do it. <laughs> Get that scholarship. Uh, <laughs> so it is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. I think is what we're both trying to say in a roundabout way. Uh, but we did it. We got through. Listen, first break after Thanksgiving, Biggs. I got to be honest. There were concerns. I, I was the, the haters said in the morning show meeting, me and you were not getting through this. And I, I will let the record show. Okay, we made it all the way through the break. Uh, we're both still employed. There's a knock on my door. Don't read into that. Uh, but but I, I tip my cap to you, good sir, and uh, I congratulate you on another successful appearance. Well, th- thanks, Jimmy, and that just shows how low the bar is for both. <laughs> That's enough, Biggs. I knew it was coming. No, you're the best. I'll see you soon. Be well. Take care. My man. Get him out of here. Get him out. Andy Biggs. Uh, listen, conversation we're having, it's kind of a 20,000-foot view of politics right now. Because that's where we find ourselves on the first Monday back from break. There's not a direction I could take you in that isn't stupid. Okay? If you wanted to go on a stupid hunt today, you are at a luxury hunting lodge where they've overstacked the woods to ensure that everybody gets to shoot something successfully. There's so much stupid in our politics right now. But nothing dumber than the elimination of meritocracy. Okay? What you want to hear coming out of your speaker when you get on a plane is like, I am your captain, I am eminently qualified to fly this plane. You do not want to hear, I'm your captain, and they stuck me up here because they've never had someone like me fly a plane before. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You want qualified people. And when you look around, and this is the biggest problem of the Democratic Party in the era of identity politics, Okay, they've made no secret of the fact that they're prioritizing some races over others. That's what they do. Is that technically illegal? Yes, there are federal laws against that type of hiring, but they do it. But taking it a step further is the fact that they're appointing people just because, when we should be appointing people because they're qualified. Like Kamala Harris has no business being vice president. That doesn't mean there aren't 10 million black women out there that could be vice president and be damn good ones at that. Okay, but we don't have one in this moment because we appointed one just because. And the point I'm trying to make is to look a little bit harder next time (laughs) so we don't wind up with another Kamala. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Tommy Laren coming up in the next hour. Our on-again, off-again friendship. Now we're great pals. We like to give each other a hard time on the air. Tommy was down at the Patriot Awards uh, in Nashville, Tennessee with myself. If you didn't see it, uh, they are streaming on Fox Nation. Fox Nation is where you're going to go in January to get my stand-up special when it comes out. Uh, and there'll be plenty of reminders of that between now and then. A lot of shameless sandwich boarding on this show. But right now, we will continue to sandwich board for the greatest country in the world, that being America. Okay. Um, the big question this week, as we get into, you know, the debate between Newsom and DeSantis, obviously, Newsom seems to be running a little bit of a shadow campaign against Biden. 
DeSantis is just trying to get a lift in the polls to go with the lift in the boots he's wearing. Being silly. Okay, but we are coming into a place, okay, of clarity. And what I mean by clarity, okay, is we're about a month from the first voting contest. I was the first week of January. Okay, Trump is sitting on a lead right now. Love Trump, hate Trump, doesn't matter. Okay, but he's sitting on a lead right now that almost makes things look insurmountable. Here's Susan Glazer. Uh, She was on the week. Uh, She's from, of course, The New York Times talking about the precedent for the type of lead Trump is sitting on clip 17. I mean, when people look back on 2023, one of the big political stories is going to be Donald Trump's rise in the polls and his consolidation, apparently, of uh, Republican voters who after indictment and indictment and indictment rolled back into him. But, you know, I'm having a little bit of 2016 flashback. I would point out that the Kochs opposed Donald Trump in 2016 and spent millions and millions of dollars, and it didn't work. And, you know, there is the sort of hope springs eternal moment that we're looking at here. No candidate, as Rick just pointed out, has ever overcome, uh, has ever been defeated with a lead like that. So, you know, color me a little bit skeptical. Okay, and basically what she's saying is he has such a big lead and it would seem like the establishment and everybody's aligning against him and that makes him even more of a rebel. But the difference now between 2016 and what will ultimately be the 2024 election is now Trump has served a term in office and everything under Trump was exponentially better than it was under Biden. Tell him like it is. Okay, that's just reality. That's the biggest challenge for DeSantis it's the biggest challenge for Nikki Haley. A lot of people think Nikki Haley could win this thing. Wrong. Okay, I didn't listen. Okay, she's getting major donations, and she is surging in the polls comparative to someone like DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, she is firmly established as the number two in this race right now. Doesn't mean she's going to become the number one. Okay, but the biggest challenge she's facing is Trump has a very unique connection with voters. And it's compounded by the fact that we can compare and contrast what Trump's leadership would be like for this country versus what we currently have. And what we currently have, i got to be honest, not really good. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. No, I'm not. <laughs> this, is, this is a disaster of a country right now. I say it all the time. Biden does not govern like our 46th president. He is governing like he's our last president. Biden's lost his marbles. I don't know that he ever had them. But we're going to talk in the next hour about where this takes us on the campaign trail because you've got two things happening. Dean Phillips has jumped in on the Democratic side. Okay, you've obviously got the independent run of RFK Jr. There's a lot of debate over whether that affects Trump or it affects Biden. Okay, you've got the on again, off again thing going on with Joe Manchin. Marianne Williamson is in the race. People want someone besides what we have. And how it's going to shake out between now and then, I can tell you this. As someone who really does pay attention, there's no world. They say overnight is a lifetime in politics. There is no world where we're about to go 300 overnights, okay, where the current matchup is going to remain in place at the end of this. You might see Trump on the ticket. You might see Biden on the ticket. You're not going to see both of them on the ticket. The biggest challenge to cover in politics in the 24-hour news cycle is the mood we're in is so omnipotent 
it's fired at you like out of a fire hose with so much force and fury it makes people a prisoner of the moment but the one thing that i think sets us apart from other shows other than our glaring lack of intellect and the fact that they're far more educated than I am, is that we do have an ability to see beyond the moment. And we'll do a real long-range forecast when we come back in the next hour with the help of Tommy Lahren on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is, girlfriend, and you better buckle up. We're going to drive it like we stole it in this hour. 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the action. Tommy Lahren is stopping by to renew our on-air rivalry. Me and Tommy got into a bit of a dust-up the last time we were on radio together. She took exception to one of my wardrobe choices here in the building. Get her out. Get her out of here. We'll see if we can patch up the relationship. Uh, you and me still on good terms, though. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the show. Uh, the only rule on the show, the whole show, three-hour show, is we one rule. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. That is it, girlfriend. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a... Big Monday on the show. I was on America's Newsroom this morning, and I got to be honest, it is a high honor. It, it is, a, I mean this, like on a personal level, the fact that I'm the first in-studio guest of the week after a holiday break, that really does speak to people thinking like I'm dependable and like a reliable semi-adult person. I'm surrounded by idiots. It's not true. I actually showed up. I was on time. I was sober. I made coherent points that... <laughs> Whatever. I felt good about them. But the point is, uh, it really is a moment of self-reflection. If you knew anything about me in like my 20s and most of my 30s, the idea that anyone would trust me with such a major responsibility on the most prestigious news program we have would absolutely represent a monumental leap in my public standing. You understand? I meet you guys in public all the time now. So I was like, hey, Jimmy Fallon, I'm like, yeah, yesterday we were getting our Christmas tree. Me, Jenny, and Lincoln. Jenny gets the tree. The, the second Thanksgiving is over, we are in that damn store. We are getting that tree. And we met four different couples. We were in Home Depot. That's where we were. We got a tree in Home Depot. It's not an advertisement for them, but maybe they could knock a few bucks off that Fraser fur. <laughs> I, think, I think I paid $100 for a Fraser fur. Come on. What the hell did you just say? But it's a good tree, and it lasts the whole season. And we needed to because Jenny gets the tree as early as they can sell it to you by law. But the point is, when I'm walking around and I meet four people in a Home Depot, four different couples, like, hey, you Jimmy Fallon, I say yes, and we say hello, and we talk, and they talk to me about Fox. There was a time in my life where if someone said, like, hey, you Jimmy Fallon, I'd run. I would just run for my life. I probably owed them money. They were probably a bookie or somebody something, <laughs> somebody from some other illicit vice I was engaged in as a young child. I mean, man, we've lost a lot of good men out there. Okay, but the point is, uh, it's a fascinating time to be me. And if you missed that hit on America's Newsroom, you can watch it on the Fox Across America website. Uh, it is there streaming right now, which is, of course, where you can also get all of your Fox Across America merchandise. If you want to support the show and wear one of these T-shirts that I almost fit into. Uh, and if you want to meet me in person this Saturday night, really quickly, I am at the Carson Nugget in Carson City, Nevada. You will see me there in person, three shows Saturday night. Come hang out with your radio buddy. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Well, even if you can't dig it, 
Okay. You're still welcome to come. Uh, we got to make this money, girlfriend. But right now, we got to talk a little bit about 2024 because DeSantis in a tough spot. Carl Rove uh, was on our air talking about Iowa and what it means to DeSantis. And Carl Rove is also appearing this week on Perino on Politics. If you're listening to Dana Perino's podcast, it's actually great because it's a lot of people who've worked inside the White House, people from both parties, people who work in elite media, giving you like conversative takes about the state of the election. And the state of the election right now for DeSantis is he has to win Iowa or every single fundraising dollar that could ever go his way is gone. What makes this uniquely precarious is that winning Iowa doesn't really mean anything in the Republican Party as it pertains to the nomination. Okay? The last two Republicans to win Iowa in 2016, it was Ted Cruz. Before that, it was Rick Santorum. Did either of these guys go on to win the nomination? The answer would be no. No. Okay, but for DeSantis, he needs to demonstrate some forward momentum. He has made it a point to visit all 99 counties. This Thursday, he will be putting his policies on the mat against Gavin Newsom. Sean Hannity is hosting a live debate down in Georgia. It's a 9 o'clock debate uh, tip-off right here on the Fox News channel if you want to watch it. So I will not be making my regularly scheduled appearance to close the Thursday night Hannity show. And could you imagine? I mean, really. But I am, uh, to make it up to the American people, he has booked me to close Wednesday night show. Yay! Listen, that Hannity guy's come a long way since I took him under my wing here at Fox News. Let's be honest. Guy's really starting to, I mean, his career's really starting to pick up finally. Uh, I kid. But as we talk about this debate, it is absolutely do-or-die territory for DeSantis. Here is Carl Rove saying as much, clip 18. Iowa is do or die. He's putting a lot of effort there. He has the governor, the popular governor, Kim Reynolds. He won the, the support of, uh, of, of leader in the evangelical community, Vander Plaats. Uh, right. and, and, yeah, he's got he's to run. If he comes in third in Iowa, it's very problematic for him because it, it doesn't get better for him in the next two set of contests. That's where this really gets crazy is he's losing in New Hampshire. Okay, and then when you head down south, he's getting crushed in those states. Go to South Carolina, you go to Georgia, you go down to his home state of Florida. Okay, DeSantis is getting crushed by Trump in those states. So if he doesn't win Iowa, or at the very least come close and beat Nikki Haley in the process, go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. So this is it. And what's so fascinating about watching this is understand this to be said about DeSantis. I could elect him president tomorrow and go to bed. I actually think he'd be a fine, a fine president. I actually do. I think he's done a phenomenal job with Florida. And I think he'd be a great president. I don't know that he could get the job I think is going to be the, the epitaph here is doing the job and getting the job are two totally different things. I mean, to be honest with you. I think Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who ran New York and, you know, was a little bit of a nanny state guy and that he put calories on the menus and did a lot of government overreach in that regard. But he was unabashedly pro-police. And Mike Bloomberg, piggybacking off of what Rudy Giuliani had accomplished during his leadership of the city, really did clean up this city. When I was driving a cab, OK, talking about the prime years I was driving a cab, it's about 2007 to 2015. The city, by and large, was pretty clean. It was pretty safe. 
Bloomberg implemented a lot of bike lanes and bus lanes to make it more tourist friendly. And I certainly resented him for that as a driver. But he was, you know, pragmatic and he was a good leader on the whole and recognized the need to support the police, which is a lot more than you can say for the average Democrat in this day and age. Okay, so I thought Bloomberg, not that he wound up getting a nomination, he got his ass handed to him in Las Vegas on the debate stage after like two primaries. Bloomberg spent $500 million running for president and got laughed off the stage after a debate and a half. Okay, but I do think he could have done the job. I don't like him personally. I don't love every one of his policies, but he would have been a hell of a whole lot more effective than Joe Biden is. I agree with that. I mean, when you're watching Biden right now, you don't get the feeling that we have four more years of this in us. I keep forgetting I'm president. Yeah, well, a lot of people do because it's hard to watch him on a day-to-day basis and feel like he's in charge. But as it pertains to the 2024 election, DeSantis did come into this outside of Trump, obviously. It's the most omnipotent media figure we've ever seen. There's no one who's ever lived that's been more globally known than Trump. Whether it's good or bad or anything in between, everyone on earth knows Donald Trump's name. Everyone on earth. Okay? DeSantis came into this as the guy with the best shot of beating Trump, if only because he won such a historic reelection in Florida. And, of course, because there was a major appetite to move beyond the baggage of Donald Trump. Baggage that grew exponentially bigger by the fact that they weaponized the justice system and indicted him 91 different times. You understand, we're living in an America where we had never indicted a president once in the first 246 years of this country's history. By the end of last summer, we had gone from never indicting a president once to indicting him 91 different times. Deviant acts, okay, are cartooned in multiplication. Meaning if Trump got indicted for one thing, you're like, wow, this is a really serious charge. We better all pay attention. But by indicting him for 91 things, they made a mockery of our justice system. And Trump is not absorbing the type of media focus you would traditionally expect for something as unprecedented as a presidential indictment. But because the Democrats already went out of their way during Trump's term in office to prove that nothing was beneath them when it came to stopping the guy, including multiple impeachments in one presidential term, something that has never happened before, a lot of people got used to it and saw it as the same old, same old. Oh, the walls are closing in again. You understand they told us every day of Trump's presidency that the guy was going to leave the White House in handcuffs. He stole an election with Russia. It was made up by these sick people. But that's what they're down to now. And it's the problem DeSantis is having is all of the attacks on Trump aren't hurting Trump. They're making him stronger. And they're drawing a sharper contrast between Trump's leadership and Biden's leadership. Trump is a known quantity, baggage and all. Okay, people know the country was in better shape under Trump. So you're starting to get the kind of far-flung attacks. Like, this is a crazy one. Okay, this is Lawrence Tribe on PBS NewsHour. The PBS standing for public... Bull. Okay, but anyway, here is Lawrence Tribe saying if Trump stays on the ballot and wins, he's going to turn the presidency into a dictatorship. Listen to this desperation. Clip 15. Well, if that were to happen, and I very much hope it doesn't, it would turn the presidency into a dictatorship. (laughs) It would basically mean that the revolution that we fought against King George uh, failed and that the American experiment in constitutional democracy with no one being above the law, lasted 225 years and then ended. I don't want that to happen. I think it would be a disaster. 
for the freedom of every one of us uh, to have anybody completely above the law. We have, in this case, someone who said he would terminate the Constitution. He will make his presidency about vengeance. It's what fascists do. That was embarrassing. I mean, seriously, Lawrence Tribe. That was absolutely dreadful. I mean. In my opinion, that sucked. Seriously. This guy's a serious ass. <laughs> I mean, really? Don't you have any respect for yourself? No. Okay, if the Trump presidency is a dictatorship. Okay, the problem is he's already been president once. And he didn't ban elections. Okay, you know what else he didn't do? He didn't jail his political opponents or force our military to get vaccinated or we would fire them and deplete our strength and defense. Okay, you know who did both of those things? Joe Biden. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. This is what it keeps coming back to when, when you talk about the exercise in projection, is they keep accusing Trump of what they're doing. Trump was impeached, what? For threatening to withhold foreign aid from Ukraine. That was the claim. Well, he threatened to withhold aid from Ukraine unless they did what he wanted to do and investigated the Bidens. You can't threaten to withhold aid from a country. You know, except for the fact that Joe Biden admitted to doing that when he was vice president. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. I mean, think about that. That is totally absurd. Okay, that's Biden admitting. I threatened to withhold a billion dollars in foreign aid unless they didn't fire the prosecutor. You know, the one who's investigating the corruption my son and I are engaged in with Burisma. That's what went on. Okay, so everything that they go after Trump for really is like a classic exercise in projection. And it's part of the problem DeSantis is having. He came into this with so much hype. He came into this with so much money. But they've attacked Trump so relentlessly in the process that they've drawn this massive contrast, okay, between what the country was like under Trump and what it was like under Biden. And the fact that Biden has done as poorly as he has as a leader and the fact that these media attacks are such straw man arguments. Oh, he's a dictator. Really? Guy who fired us from our jobs if we didn't take a vaccine that didn't work? Oh, he's a dictator. Really? Guy who jailed his political opponents? Oh, he's a fascist. Really? Presidential administration that's now been forced to admit they colluded with big tech to censor the ideas we could and couldn't share in the public square? Okay, you know, all the things dictators do. That's what you're dealing with on the left. DeSantis very capably calls that stuff out. DeSantis very capably could lead the country through it. But in order for him to get the job, you know how they say in order to beat the man, you know, or be the man, you got to beat the man. Or I think in the modern democratic parlance, in order to beat the they, you've got to be the them or whatever the hell they're using now to describe people. Okay, the point is DeSantis has a really uphill battle, and he is in a do-or-die position in Iowa, okay? And I think you'll see a little bit of that desperation on the debate stage tonight, or at least Thursday night anyway. I don't know what the hell he's doing tonight, probably shopping for another pair of cowboy boots. But the point is, okay, the Democrats are the ones making the best case for Donald Trump. 
And no matter how many brilliant policy points DeSantis might have, no matter how many trendy points, you know, Nikki Haley has behind her right now and the donor class seems to be investing in her pretty heavily, their problem is Donald Trump has the greatest surrogate class in the world and it's called the mainstream media. The media is a bunch of losers. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Tommy Laren on the show in the next break. Her opening act in Austin, Texas. Mike is on the line. Yo, Mike. How are you? I'm, you know, it's on its way, man. I'm holding it together. First day back from a long break. The bar was pretty low, as Representative Big said earlier. Uh, but I, I think if you bet the over, uh, I think I think I'm coming through for you. Yeah, I think you're, you got a little gravy on the side of your cheek, though. So, so, <laughs> Good for you. you. Know, get that. I deserve that. Hey, uh, hey, have you ever uh, have you ever made it to Austin? Done a show here? I've never performed it at Rogan's new club, The Mothership, but I've been in Austin in the past. I was there with Jenny okay. in like 2018, but I'll be back. I'm I'm due to come hang out with you. Yeah, that'd I, be great. I, Austin's hey, a great town. I I just wish they had more homeless people. <laughs> Well, it is it is very very liberal. I would probably be one of three conservatives at your show. If you <laughs> so that may not help you too much. Um, That's funny. I got a question for you. So I've been thinking about this whole election thing, and because some of the things you said uh, about Haley and DeSantis. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Trump, he's only good for four years. Yep. You know. Oh. He's, I, I, and that's it. He can't run again. I get yelled at for saying this, but the truth is so, the, the reason to elect Trump is because you hate Biden and you want to avenge 2020. But in terms of governance, I think the point you're trying to make is you need somebody who can do two terms. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because why do we want to go through this again? I mean, you'll yeah. have fodder for your show if we have to go through this again. That's great. Yep. But, you know, yeah. if, we do, if we go through this whole cycle again, we're going to be in the same boat. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, we're kidding ourselves if you think he can fundamentally change Washington as a lame duck president, because you can't unless you have overwhelming majorities in the Senate and the House, which they're not going to have. So right. you're right, right about that. But the electorate has really been reduced to a team sport now, where so much of this is really just about getting event, you know, revenge for 2020 more than anything else. And at the end of the day, I think the reason a lot of people will sign for a lame duck Trump is anything is better than another for a Biden so I think, honestly, I've said this before, I think Barron Trump could beat Joe Biden. And I think we'd be wrong if we didn't vote for Barron. What say you? Well, here's the deal. Is that, you know, um, if you wait another four years, some of these candidates may not run. Yeah, you're right like about that. Chance. That's another brilliant point by Mike. I'm losing you to a commercial break. I miss you already. <laughs> it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And the band's excited over this next guest because we're back on speaking terms. We run hot and cold, but I feel like we patch things up at the Patriot Awards. She is the host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless on OutKick, Fox News contributor. Tommy Lahren back on the show. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, girl. Oh, we had a great time in Nashville. And I just have to say, when you did the opening, when you were warming up the crowd at the Patriot Awards, my husband was dying laughing. So, you know, you did your job. I don't (laughs) care that you repeat your outfits. You were hilarious, so I'm going to forgive you. Well, listen, I'm just flattered to hear that one of our spouses likes my stand-up act. I'm one for two. I'm kidding. Jenny's a fan. I actually met Tommy Laren. We'll get into it another time, but I actually met Jenny when I was doing stand-up in Cleveland. 
uh, on her birthday. But the fact that, that – let's start here, though. But the fact that, that me, me, you, and your man are on good terms I think is a win for the American people. I don't know that America can stand with a divided Jimmy Fallon and Tommy Lahren. I don't think so. And I also have to ask because I think the people that are listening want to know if you tried the hot chicken in Nashville because some of our Fox colleagues tried that hot chicken, uh-huh. and I saw several of them just panting. <laughs> Panting in agony after they tried Nashville hot chicken. So I have to know if you braved it or, you know, if you New Yorkers can't hack some southern food. No, I will. Let's talk about this because this matters. OK, and I do agree that it was an embarrassing display. OK, because the first place that I was by and if we're now just to be clear, if we're talking about the hot chicken that was served at the after party, I did try it and hung with it just fine. But there's a place around the block that has like a two hour wait. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I don't know the name of it, but I did not eat there. I just don't want to steal valor and claim I ate at the local trendy place because I ate where we had the at the after party. But it was hot as hell. But it was great. Is there a local? Yeah, really, yeah is there a local it, place I'm supposed to try? There is a local place. There's mm-hmm. many. Hattie okay. B's is my favorite. Okay. Um, for those of you who yes, that's where the line was. That's, yep. Yeah, that's where the line was. Go ahead. Uh huh. But the, but our Fox colleagues were eating that hot chicken at the after party, yeah. and they were not hacking it. You know, they, they couldn't do it. I saw a lot of them asking for water at the bar, trying to heal their wounds, you know, and they didn't know. It's another embarrassing thing. They didn't know that water only makes it worse, my friend. you got to get some milk. That is true. But you know what? I still applaud them because they're TV people, so they're not used to eating anything, let alone hot chicken. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. I I, I had to show some of them how to hold the fork and knife, to be clear. But uh, I'm right there with you. Hattie B, so just because I don't want to steal the valor, the one that I guess is off right right there off Broadway had a line like around the block, and I didn't eat that. But I ate it at the after party. It was great. Everything there was great. Like I I do say this really quick, and then we can get into some like kind of newsy stuff. I feel like the Patriot Award should be mandatory viewing for the country because although we're a largely conservative audience, we're actually just honoring the best people in the country that you need. It's like you could be Democrat. You could be anything. You need the people that we're handing trophies to if you want to have an America. No? No, I agree. I especially love the 99-year-old gentleman who decided he was going to talk as long as he wanted to. And you know what? That is his God-given right. I would listen to him for hours over listening to Joe Biden stumble and mumble for the five minutes he speaks to the American public. That that guy accepted a Patriot Award for more time than he actually spent in the military for the service we honored him for. But you're right. He was great. He was wonderful. And uh, everybody in that room, okay, they're the good people. And I just, like, I want to get us back to this place where I know political differences aren't going to go away. But it would really help us if it was just cool to root for America because it is cool, obviously, but a lot of people on the left don't know it because it would make these conversations like productive. Right now, they're not productive because like if you show up to, say, the Israeli-Gaza conflict with Hamas armed with facts, they just say like you're a racist and you hate these people when in fact we're actually just supporting the side that's not a bunch of murderous terrorists. But we're not having a productive discussion because nobody wants to hear that. No, and they, they honestly do hate this country, Jimmy, and, and that's unfortunate. They've been trained to hate this country. A lot of these young people, they truly do hate America. They would never want to live anywhere else, mind you. They also hate capitalism, which they could not live without, but they take to the streets and they act like feral animals because 
that's the cool thing to do now. And if they can post it on TikTok or somewhere <laughs> and feel good about themselves, that's enough for them. That's the bar. <laughs> and that's so where we're operating now. And it's really unfortunate. But I would I would agree. Patriot Awards, people that just love their country. We don't know the political affiliations of everybody in that room. You know, nope. we assume it's Fox News, so a lot of conservatives. But people that just love their country, it's not too much to ask for. Imagine that. They're just they're so ungrateful. But it's weird because protest it really has become like it's just a trendy thing now it's really not about anything other than what you just said which is like hey look at me i'm a protest influencer because everybody that's calling to wipe israel off the map are the market for hate has no home here stickers they're the market for coexist bumper stickers on cars like it's the very people calling to wipe out the entire population of israel so I think that's the like the fraud of the whole thing. And I don't know. I feel like if we were having a more honest conversation, it would be a lot easier for people to see through, I think, is the challenge. By the way, we're talking to Tommy Laren if you just tuned in and we're back on friendly terms. Um, two people that are not on friendly terms, Tommy. Let me just steer your attention to this Gavin Newsom-Ron DeSantis debate on Thursday. Now, you are a huge uh, Gavin Newsom supporter. Can you explain why? Uh, I lived under his tyranny for about three years, so and I fled his tyranny. But he does follow me on Twitter, <laughs> X, whatever it is. So I guess you could say that we are acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I, I cannot wait for this debate. Of all the debates, this is the one. I think this is going to be the best debate since Trump versus Hillary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. I think Ron DeSantis is going to wipe the floor with him. But you got to watch out for Gavin because as greasy as his hair gel is, that's how slippery and slime, slimy that man is so ron's gonna have to be careful he's gonna have to be careful it's like wwe and you you gotta be watching your back at all times with gavin (laughs) it's no it's true he's he's good at tv and he's he does a good job of like slipping punches like we both know sean hannity well and sean really takes the fight to him but newsom is good at tv so even though he's full of it even though he's not refuting any of sean's you know critiques he still comes off like he's doing better than he is and that's That's what I think the challenge is going to be for DeSantis. I think on an idea basis, he's way better. But this but, you know, Newsom is a good he's a good TV guy. So I consider it must see TV. Would you admit, though, that Hannity's star has really catapulted since you and me took him under our wing? Yeah, I would definitely think so. Um, I'm hoping for a Christmas gift or, or just something. A shout to, out. Know, to, to, to pledge his gratitude um, <laughs> to, to you and I. So we'll, we'll work on it. Maybe maybe by the time the next Patriot Awards roll around, uh-huh. there'll be something from Sean. We, you know, we really did a solid for his. His what twenty five plus year career yeah. at Fox News. You know, do you know those? Do you know those like those performative white people? Remember in twenty twenty when they started having like public uh, public proceedings by acknowledging that this ground was on stolen land? Like, do you remember that stupid woke yes. thing they were doing? I feel like this debate should begin with an acknowledgement that this debate is only possible because of Jimmy Fallon and Tommy Lahren. And- I beg to be there, Jimmy. I am. I'm going to be on the reaction show, so I'm excited. But I begged, begged to be there because I just want to see Gavin Newsom in the flesh. It's like Hillary Clinton. Unless I see those two in the flesh in front of me, I don't believe that they are real. <laughs> it's so weird. I like. Listen, part of Newsom, as much as we dump on him and the bad conditions of the state you fled. It is almost commendable that he got recalled and was able to win. Like if you suck at your job, right, and you like he's really run that state into the ground, but you somehow remain popular like that is a 
talent. And I only wish he, like, used the talent to clean up the state because it can be done. Like, when they swept up for Xi Jinping, that's kind of an admission they could do it if they wanted to, no? Well, I think in the words of Gavin, it's true because it's true. <laughs> um, I, think that's, I think that's what he told us about cleaning up just for the Chinese communists to come to town. But I'll tell you this, the whole recall of Gavin Newsom thing, um, they were really worried about that that recall. And I'll tell you how I know this, because Mm -hmm. when they had those petitions to even launch the recall, they were signature matching closely for maybe the first time ever in California. I mean, they were looking at those very, very closely with a magnifying glass, making sure that all those signatures were authentic. So they were nervous. They were worried about it. He eked out, you know, his his victory, if you want to call it that. But California is essentially a third world country right now, except for when the communists are in town. Then it starts to look hospitable. But only then. I'm sure it's back to its its ways now. Needles in the streets, human feces. I'm sure. I, I can't confirm, but I'm sure. Oh, that's too funny. And I know it's true because they don't want to solve a problem that they can run on. And I think that's why they have what they have in California, which is why you are a genius to run for it and uh, head down to the bars of Nashville. So give me this before I let you go. Tommy Laren leaves California. By percentage, how much of that is Newsom ran the place into the ground and how much of that is bars open at 10 a.m. in Nashville? A hundred percent of it is that I did not want to fork over my hard-earned income to pay for degenerates and illegal immigrants and climate change extremism and pronoun education. <laughs> that is a hundred percent the reason I left California. It's unaffordable. Yeah. It's unaffordable for, for most people. And why would I want to pay that kind of money to live in that kind of squalor? I don't think so. New York City is very much the same way. That's why I don't understand why you people are still there. <laughs> I don't understand why you haven't seen the light and well, come to Tennessee yet. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping that you'll get the word out, but only to people that you like, because we don't need all the New Yorkers coming here, God forbid. No, you don't want us here. But you know what it is, New York, for people who grew up here? It's like a spiritual dominatrix. It beats you up. It calls you names. It takes all your money. I think some of us just like the beating. I think just some of us just happen to be, you know, rising stars at a company that's located here. But I'm going to go tell management Tommy has spoken. You might see a relocation ceremony in the near future. I mean, we got Hannity his big debate. Surely we can relocate Fox next i think so i think the patriot awards was a great step in that direction because (laughs) nashville loves fox news my friends nashville loves fox news and they won't burn down your christmas tree here i promise (laughs) you that listen we got so much good pr we might have burnt it down ourselves i'm still not sure but uh tommy laren brilliant as always i'm glad glad we're friends again all right, I'll talk to you soon, Jimmy. Make sure you change that shirt every now and again. All right, that's enough out of you. Take care. <laughs> there she goes. Tommy Laren, everybody. Right, get her out. Get her out of here. Taking shots at the champ's wardrobe. Unbelievable. We're back after this. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon in New York doing the dang thing. Uh, you'll see me on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6.50 a.m. on the East Coast. I'll be on with Stuart Barney at 11 a.m. And, of course, on the radio with you right at noon 
Uh, this week, uh, when we wrap up on the radio, I am, of course, heading out to the West Coast. So if you're listening on KKFT, KSVL, KSUE, get your ass down to the Carson City Nugget in Carson City, Nevada. Come hang out with your radio buddy Saturday night, December the 2nd. Uh, it's going to be a banger. And you didn't hear this from me, but check it out. I am also hosting that day, shooting that day on the West Coast, Fox News Saturday night. You guys will see me at 10 o'clock Eastern time on your TV. So if you're not in Nevada, uh, you can see a earlier in the evening taped episode before my stand-up show start of Fox News Saturday night. I will be in the host chair where I belong. As you know, I am in a rotation consisting of myself and four lesser talented people. I kid, I'm talking smack. That's what you do in comedy. It's tough love. Favorite thing I ever did in stand-up was get passed at the Comic Strip Live. It's a really famous club. It's where Eddie Murphy started. Pretty much everyone you've ever heard of in stand-up has played there at one point or another. During the comedy boom of the 80s, you know, the Sam Kinnisons of the world, the Gilbert Gottfrieds of the world started out in that realm. They were doing the Comic Strip. They were doing Catch a Rising Star. Okay, great rooms on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Well, in any event, when I finally got passed at the Comic Strip, which was a big deal to a young guy who was driving a taxi, Uh, The late, great Vic Henley, uh, after I did my set and I was performing uh, and I went up to the bar to sign out for my paycheck, he was like, you're going to accept the money for that performance? (laughs) 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 And he was just being mean on purpose. And it was funny. It was a way of knowing you arrived. It was tough love that meant you were part of the gang. And I always loved that about stand-up. And I just like that about politics as a whole, is I think we need to get back uh, to this place where people don't take themselves so seriously, because it's something I was talking to Tommy Laren about, is if we could just agree on the basics, we could have productive conversations. Like the truth is, if you live in America, you hit the lottery. No matter what you're protesting in America, you're protesting the best version of that issue. Okay, you're talking about tolerance. We're the most tolerant and inclusive society in the history of the world. You know, when you talk about, for real, you know, coexist. Okay, we're doing it with the most diverse population on the planet. Most of these countries around the world are 99.4% one thing. Okay, for all the attacks on Israel, the only ally in the Middle East that truly shares our value, okay, and values. Israel gets accused of a genocide against Islam. But Israel has two million Muslims living inside of Israel. I think he's got a point. And the point is, if they were out for a cultural genocide, they wouldn't need to travel outside of their borders to commit one. Okay, so much of the conversation we're having right now when it comes to politics is just not very well informed. Because politics for a lot of people has become a branding exercise. And to a lot of people, it's now trendy to say stupid things like America's bad. America was founded at a time of institutionalized slavery. And you can't give America a free pass for that. But you also have to acknowledge that you know who else was founded at a time of institutionalized slavery? Every country on earth. Oh, wow. And the one thing they all have in common is none of them did more than we did to overcome that, to create a more inclusive society with a more level playing field than the one we currently occupy here as Americans. So the thing we love so much about the Patriot Awards is you're honoring soldiers, you're honoring firemen and cops and first responders, people who don't show up at disasters and go, how'd you vote in the last election? They just show up and neutralize threats. They just show up and save people's lives. They are the true heroes among us. 
okay? The people who get trophies in Hollywood, they're playing pretend. It's dress-up, okay, straight dress-up. You're making $30 million to pretend you're a hero, but you're not actually saving lives. You're not a cop who truly puts on a uniform and risks his life, a fireman who runs towards the danger instead of away from it. You're a 35-year-old closeted gay man with an eating disorder. Correct the mundo. Okay, what we honor at the Patriot Awards is true valor, true virtue. And if you just stood around every day and gave 30 seconds to be like, you know, thank God I'm born in America. There's so many good things at my disposal. There's so much upward mobility in my life that doesn't exist anywhere else. If people just had that basic fundamental understanding of life, you're not going to see all of these protests. You're not going to see all of this tearing down of statues. They just took down Thomas Jefferson's statue after 177 years here in New York City. It's the dumbest thing you've ever heard of. And you could say that Thomas Jefferson didn't have uh, 100% of the values we now have as Americans. But the point is he was the best thing we had at the time. Every one of these ex-presidents that did things in their lifetime, you don't do in this lifetime. The reason you don't do them in this lifetime is because people like them, the best things we had, inched us closer to the progress we've made. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So you can say you don't agree with it, but if it was the status quo when they were alive, the only thing they're guilty of in this day and age is not owning a time machine. But the reason you hear so many people waging war against our past is because it spares them the indignity of having a conversation about our present, where the America you currently live in is divided as it might seem, Okay, as unrest, as much unrest as you see in the streets and on social media is the greatest place on earth there's ever been to live. So get out there and enjoy your American privilege. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.